My name is Mike. I want to welcome you. Um, a bit of a confession today. I have some sort of flu. I know. I know. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be sitting down here shortly. So, yeah. I'll, the spit zone is now worried. Um, so I'm, I'm operating at uh, 45% of capacity, but 45% of Mike Erie is equivalent to uh, 100% of most guys. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm just, I feel good. So a couple things I, I want you to know about. Uh, first of all, our church, one of, we have just so many rich legacies at our church. One of them, though, is a, a significant and long-term degree of investment and passion towards the foster care system of Orange County. And uh, the number of innovations that have come out of this church that are a blessing uh, to the foster care system is, is pretty immense. And so we've just uh, created a nonprofit arm of EV Free, and that is called OC United. And OC United is really focused around three initiatives, homelessness, couple of neighborhoods that we want to focus on, and the third one is uh, adoption out of the foster care system to help families keep their kids, help biological families keep their kids, get their kids back, or to provide families for kids that don't have them. And uh, so we're going to have somebody out on the plaza, just named Amy and Jason, they're involved with the Royal Family, they've been here forever, but if you have ever foster adopted or interested in foster adopting or being a safe family, want to invite you or just, just want to know how to be involved because we, we actually have some folks in our church that are adopting out of the foster care system and they need lots of help to do that. So if you're interested at all, go to the plaza and find out more information. The other thing I want to let you know about is that our women's ministry yesterday kicked off kind of our version of the Christmas season. I know uh, for Costco, Christmas starts uh, right after Labor Day. But here, we actually wait till after Halloween, and we're starting. And so um, we, had, we had 250 uh, of our gals uh, go to something that we're calling Come Home for Christmas. And the idea is 250 ladies, 17 workshops. And the idea is to equip uh, our folks to see their neighborhoods as the place of mission and ministry. And it's not just inviting people to church, it's being church to the people you're already around. And so we're going to continue that kind of quipping idea. We've got something called pep talks coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. And these are how do you get healthy relationally, financially, and spiritually before the craziness. We're doing something new this year called Blue Christmas, which is actually a service where we're going to lament. Because for as many people who go nuts during the Christmas season, there are just as many for whom it is a very difficult, difficult season. And so we're just going to have a lament service right in the middle of the whole thing where it isn't so tinselly and shiny. And so there's a lot coming, so please pay attention. We're going to go today, uh, we're going to continue on in the book of Luke. So if you've got a Bible, let's go to the book of Luke. Give me some grace if you would in terms of clarity of thought and of speech. I'm going to sit down. I feel like Mr. Rogers a little bit. I wanted to... I wanted to have a cardigan, you know, that I, I put on before I was preaching, and then, because I don't, I don't have much of a filter anyway, but then you, then you flood me with cold medicine, and then it's, then who knows, who knows where we're going to go, and again, any emails uh, can be sent to justinchristian at evfreefullerton.org, all right, now if you remember, one of, last week was one of my favorite all-time services here. Uh, we got to pray over our sisters and have them stand and just to affirm uh, God's giftedness and anointing over them. It was really powerful because there were lots of tears for, for some reason uh, for our ladies. And I, I don't know, those all represent stories, of course, but it was 
very powerful thing, and I'm, I'm so glad that, I know it's annoying to go so slowly through Luke, but I'm very glad we're doing it, because there are things that you just would skip otherwise if you were trying to rush through, and that felt like a part that I would have normally skipped over, and so we're going to get to what, what that first part was orderly, usually skipped over to get to. We're going to get to that part now, but last week I thought was just so powerful, and I, I got to give kudos to our worship team, because they had to worship in the face of extreme cuteness up here. Little Seth Erie, if you don't know Seth, Seth is our five and a half year old boy. He's got Down syndrome. He is, he is the face of worship. And I, I think we should create a kid dance zone right up here. And so, and, and you know, if that means you're 45 years old and, and you, you've kind of got the overbite and you're a kid at heart, then you can go ahead and you can dance too. But I think there should just be a kid like rock out zone up here because they remind me what it means to worship. Um, See, random, random thoughts. Oh, there's a squirrel. Oh, isn't that great? (laughs) Oh, all right. Luke chapter 8, verse 4. I know it should be exciting. While a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path that was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. And then Jesus says, when uh, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Which is kind of an odd way to end a little story. Wouldn't you agree? So, because everyone has ears to hear, at least at this juncture, we're assuming. So that must mean something more than just, hey, I hope you got the point. Hearing in Hebrew, uh, not only in the Hebrew language, but in the worldview, hearing meant obeying. So to hear something was different from just listening to something. Hearing something meant you actually did it. So, so there's a very famous Deuteronomy. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. Um, the word there for hear means obey or do or put into practice Israel. And so when, when Jesus talks about having ears to hear, he's not just talking about intellectually understanding what he's just said. He's talking about putting whatever he just said into practice. Now, he introduces, and, and, and in Luke's account, we've read this word a couple of times, but this is kind of the first official parable. The word parable is a word that means to set alongside. So a parable is a kingdom story that's set alongside some kingdom truth in order to clarify it, explain it, illustrate it, or, or to bring a call to action to it. Parables in the first century were actually meant to clarify, not to hide truth, but they were meant to reveal truth. In fact, uh, one commentator estimates we have about 4,000 parables from 100 years before Jesus' birth to 100 years after. And all of these were common rabbinic ways of discoursing. This, what Jesus is doing here isn't uncommon. It was very, very understood. And he's using imagery that the Jews would have recognized immediately. So fire up the iPad if you would. I do not want to disconnect from the desktop. So this is one rabbi who says parables, the use of parables is compared to a thicket of reeds. So it would be like a really weedy part, we'd think, 
which no one could get through until a wise man took a, and then what's this word? Scythe. But somebody told me it's pronounced Sith, which I so hope is true for the Star Wars part of me. I don't know. I cannot confirm or deny the presence of Sith in this parable, but it's like a thicket of reeds which no one could get through until a wise man took a scythe, Sith, and cut some of the reeds down, and then everyone began to go through the path he had cut. So what parables do is they help clear up confusion. Another rabbi put it this way. Imagine a large jar filled with hot water but without any handles so that it cannot be carried until someone comes along and makes a handle for it. After that, it can be carried by its handles. Parables were thought to be the handles of the Torah, the commands of the Scripture. So, so think of it this way. I, I don't like math. My math is beautiful, and she's a math teacher. And those normally don't go well together, but for her, it's perfect. Filter. And uh, she teaches junior high math. And I just, I, I did not like math. I always wondered, when are we going to use this? Particularly when you took math and you, you had applications of math called story problems. Do you remember these? A train is leaving Vancouver traveling 65 kilometers an hour. And, it, you know, I mean, it just, who cares? And, and so, so parables are kind of like the word problems of religion and philosophy, Parables take the theory and they start working that theory into the nooks and crannies of real life. And, and in Jesus here, in talking about four kinds of soil, this is, this is common imagery. In fact, uh, we have one parable here uh, from an apocryphal book. It says, as the farmer sows seed over the ground, many seeds, and plants a multitude of plants, but in season not all that have been planted take root. So also, those who have sown in the world, not all should be saved. So Jesus tells a story about a farmer sowing seed, but not all of that seed takes root. There, there was, this is an example of that kind of thing. Or, another rabbi says this, There are four types of disciples among those who sit before a sage or a teacher. One is like a sponge, one is like a funnel, one is like a strainer, one is like a sieve. The sponge soaks up everything, good and bad. The funnel lets everything in one end and lets it out the other. So it doesn't keep the good or the bad. A strainer lets the wine flow out, which is the good, but keeps the sediment, which is the bad. And a sieve lets out the bad, but keeps the fine flour. So what I'm trying to do is there's this misunderstanding about Jesus' parables, I think, that somehow Jesus was punishing people by telling them. I want you to know that in the common discourse of the day, parables were meant to clarify, to illustrate, and it was a way to put handles on the teaching or to cut through confusion, and that Jesus would use images that were very, very common to his day. Now, we have to do a little work to get at what he's saying, because obviously we don't, we're not farmers, so agricultural metaphors are a bit lost on us. But Jesus here introduces a parable that really is about the kind of responses that he's getting in his ministry. Now notice verse 9. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. So everyone gets the initial like, yeah, okay, so this is about seeds and about ground, but he was ears to hear, okay, what's that mean? Jesus said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Now, for five minutes, I need to go all seminary on you a little bit, all right? And there's some disagreement over what I'm about to say. I always want to let you know when I'm taking a tack that other people are going to disagree with, the goal is for you to make up your own mind on this stuff. 
When, when Jesus talks about the secrets of the kingdom, Americans hear the word secret or the word mystery like it's some sort of secret knowledge that you have to be initiated into. There's an inside club that gets this and an outside club that does not. We hear secrets and mysteries. We think conspiracy theories. That's kind of how we go about it. But in the scriptures, when we talk about something that was hidden or something that's mysterious or, or something that's a secret, typically what that means is it's referring to something that was hidden in ages past but is now being revealed. So what Jesus is saying to his disciples, and he'll say it directly in Luke chapter 10, you are seeing what the prophets have hinted at for generations. You are seeing it with your own eyes. Blessed are your eyes because you're seeing the things that have been hidden about what the Messiah will be like, about what the Messiah will be doing, what the Messiah, how the Messiah will reveal the Father. This stuff has been hidden until now. You are seeing it with your own eyes. And then he says... The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables. And then notice this, so that, and then here's a quote from the book of Isaiah. Though hearing, they may not see. Nope, I messed that up. Though seeing, they may not see. That was funny. My slow brain was going, I don't think that's going together. (laughs) Though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. Now, Okay, this is seminary part two. You see that little word, so that. All right? Jesus speaks in parables, so that. Then he quotes a passage from Isaiah chapter 6. Now, if we had time, we would go to Isaiah chapter 6. Jesus is doing something called a remez, and he does this all over the place. Where he will quote a part of a verse, and the whole context is in view. The context of Isaiah chapter 6 is Isaiah chapters 1 through 5, where the prophet begins to say to the southern tribe of Judah, the northern tribes of Israel have been exiled. The southern tribe of Judah, really two and a half tribes, is on the verge of being sent into exile too, and so the prophet is calling the nation to repentance. In Isaiah chapter 6, he gets a vision of God, and remember, God says, whom shall we send? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And then God says, say to this people, they will be hearing, right, but not really hearing. They will be seeing, but not really perceiving. They will be not understanding unless they turn and repent. Now, there's a big debate over Luke's use of so that. Because if I read it in my English Bible, the secret of the kingdom has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that... Though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. The so that can either mean... Now, stick with me, guys. This is really, really important. The so that can either mean the result of Jesus's, or in this case, Isaiah's teaching, will be that people will hear it but not perceive it, and see it but not really get it. Or it could be the cause of. So, I know this is fuzzy, because my brain is fuzzy. But here's the idea. Here's the idea. So that can either mean cause or result. Jesus' parables, and it's normally thought that Jesus' parables caused people to unbelieve. What we're saying, and what I want to suggest, is that what's being said here is that Jesus is saying the result of his prophetic preaching will be the same as Isaiah's prophetic preaching, which is, though some got it, most didn't, and the exile still happened. 
So Jesus is warning the nation of Israel about impending judgment. Some get it, but most don't, and the judgment will still happen. And so he quotes from Isaiah, not to say his parables are causing people to unbelieve, but that his parables reveal the hearts of those who do not believe. See, parables sift and sort people on the basis of the condition of their hearts. What that means is parables, like if you take the parable of the prodigal son, one of the most famous parables out there. You remember? Two sons and a father. Younger son comes to the father and says, I want my share of the estate now, which was hugely offensive. The father gives the son a share of estate. He goes and he wastes it in wild living. He's feeding pigs, which for a Jewish boy would have been fairly demeaning. He comes crawling back to his father. The father receives him at great cost to the father's dignity. There's an older son that we find out is out in the field. He's always been diligent working for his father. The older son is ticked at the father for allowing the younger son back into the family. And so the parable ends with the older son not going into the party and it stops. Now, Jesus, see, Jesus doesn't preach like we do. Jesus isn't looking for three points that all begin with the letter P and here's a nice little bow and a cute story. See, Jesus ends the parable right there. Because the Pharisees that were criticizing him about welcoming sinners into the kingdom, they're the older brother. And they now have to decide whether or not they'll join in the celebration. See, what parables do is they force you to choose. Because they don't end with a nice, clean little point. They force you to either harden yourself to their teaching or soften yourself to their teaching. They sift and they sort people on the basis of their response. So now the Pharisees can either join in the celebration or not. What Jesus is doing is he's saying his teaching is doing something similar. To those that have obeyed him and have left everything and followed, Jesus is going to sit down and give them teaching. But to the crowds that are just coming around looking for miracles or looking for good teaching and they're not interested in dropping everything and following the radical call to discipleship, the parables all they'll get. Are you with me on this point? Am I making any sense whatsoever? All right, well, that was not confidence inspiring. Verse 11, you'll see that I'm right though later, so just, just wait. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Now, what's the word of God here? When Jesus says the word of God, what's he mean? Lots of murmuring, I can't. Is it the Bible? Nope, I don't, I don't even think it's Torah, but that's a, a better guess than Bible. I think it's his teaching on the kingdom. So I think, I think the word of God is Jesus' teaching about the kingdom. Because remember, in Luke's account, and in all of the Gospels, I mean, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about how to get to heaven after you die. He's talking about the kingdom of God coming near. The seed is the word of God, or Jesus is teaching about the kingdom. Those along the path, now remember, there are four different soils, and those those equate to four different kinds of hearts. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. 
But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. So Jesus says, listen, here's the meaning of the parable. As I'm teaching about the kingdom, there are those that hear it, but it doesn't penetrate. That seed is contested because for Jesus, there really is an adversary, a Satan, a devil. For others, the seed is tested. Difficulty comes in. Persecution comes in. And those people fall away. I thought Jesus was going to make my my life better. Like a bed of roses kind of better. And yet for others, they begin to take root, but they're distracted by worries, pleasures, and wealth. And only for one in four will the seed be heard and done. And that will produce a crop. Now, the worst things our English Bibles do is introduce a paragraph break and a new topic. Because Jesus is not talking about something new. He's making the same point again, all right? Verse 16. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar. All right, so how do you light a lamp back in the day? Are you using electricity? No, you are using what? Fire. Put it under a clay bowl. The fire will do what? Go out. Or no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bed. So your bed was probably reeds and straw. Is that a good idea? Nope. What do you do with a lamp? You put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. Notice, for there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought into the open. So I think what Jesus is doing is he's still talking about parables. And so if you think his purpose is trying to hide the secrets of the kingdom, then how do you make sense of this? Where Jesus is clearly saying, listen, what's been hidden is now coming out into the light. I think Jesus is clearly saying there are two kinds of people. Those that hear and those that obey me. And they will receive more. And then there are those who hear and do not obey me. But my purpose in telling parables was to bring light, not confusion. In fact, notice this next sentence. And this is the point of the whole section right here. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. That's the point. Point of the whole section. He who has ears, let him hear. Consider carefully how you listen. Why? Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Okay, so this is what Jesus is saying. Parables sift and sort people, not because some understand it and some don't. Parables sift and sort people on the basis of whether or not they obey. For the disciples, they've already left everything and followed Jesus. So when they ask Jesus, what's the meaning? Jesus says, you get to see things no one else is seeing. But to others, I just speak in parables. To confuse them, no. To reveal the state of their heart. And for many, they'll hear my teaching and be hardened to it. Just like the folks of Isaiah's day were hardened to his. But listen, guys, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bed or hides it under a bowl. It's here to bring light. But whoever receives the light will get more light. And whoever does not receive the light, what they think they understand now, they'll miss altogether. Are you with me on this point? 
Is this beginning to make some sort of sense? In fact, one rabbi put it this way. I thought this was so illuminating. Now, you know you're reading, reading rabbis when after God's name they'll say blessed be he or after Satan's name they'll say cursed be he. All right, so that's when you know you've got a true rabbi. See how the way of the Holy One, blessed be he, differs from the way of flesh and blood. A man of flesh and blood can put something into an empty container, but not a full one. All right, think about that for a second. I've got two containers. One is full of wine, one is empty. I've got more wine that needs to go in the containers. Can I add any more to the full one? No, I have to use the empty one, correct? (laughs) Pretty, pretty elementary. It is different with the Holy One, blessed be He. He fills the full vessel with what? More, but puts nothing into the empty container. Thus it says in Exodus, if hearing, you will hear. This means, if you will hear, you will go on hearing. But if you will not hear, you will not hear more. Are you see what Jesus is getting at? If you harden yourself to his teaching, you can harden yourself to a place where no more penetrates. If you soften yourself to his teaching, that softening means more and more will be practiced and understood. Remember, for Jesus, when Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free, he doesn't mean no up here. What comes right before that is, if you hold to my teaching, you are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, we want to make this all about who knows things. This is about who does things. The disciples have already left family and home and occupation to travel with Jesus. But many of the crowds are just coming because they're hoping for a miracle. And to them, Jesus says, listen... Some are going to hear my words and they won't even penetrate. Some are going to hear my words and you're in, but then you're going to realize, oh, it's not all a bed of roses and you'll fall away. Some of you are going to hear my words and you'll enter in with joy, but then you just get so distracted along the way. But there are some who will hear and do. And through you will come a supernatural crop. No one lights a lamp Puts it under a bowl. That's not what I'm doing. But whoever has, more will be given to you. And whoever does not have, what little you think you've got is going to go away. And then, worst thing our English Bibles do, introduce a paragraph break and a new topic heading. And we think Jesus is talking about something else. Notice, verse 19, Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and brothers are those who what? Hear God's word and what? Put it into practice. So do you think Luke is trying to make a point here in these? Right? See, what we normally do, what I normally do is think these are three different stories. I think that Jesus is saying the same thing three times. Be careful how you hear, because hearing demands a response. 
And the response is either a hardening against the teaching or a softening towards it. There is no neutral. So when Jesus teaches, love your enemies, what does it mean to hear? It means to do. Now think about this for a second. And I've shared this before. This is an illustration that Francis Chan uses. And, and I've shared it with you, so nothing new here. But I just want to recall the children's game Simon Says. You remember that? Simon Says, pat your head. All right, we, do, we can't help it. We just do it. Right? Simon Says, hit your neighbor. No, 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 no. I like that young man. You can pop your dad out, right in the middle of church. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but it's different when we come to Jesus says. See, what Jesus says, it's totally acceptable to memorize it, study it, talk about it, and never do it. Right? I mean, if I, if I say to my son, Nate, who's 11, Nate, clean your room. Half an hour later, Nate comes back and says, Dad, I memorized what you said. (laughs) Dad, I'm getting a a group of my friends together to talk about, in a small group, to talk about what it would look like to clean my room. (laughs) Right? Did Nate hear me? No. Because what's it mean to clean his room? To clean his room! See, so much of American Christianity has decided that the invitation of Jesus is merely intellectual and some private believing in my heart. Jesus isn't interested in privately believing in your heart. He's interested in fruit. And fruit is external and public. Now that doesn't mean we're earning, striving, performing, but Jesus is super clear on this. Do not assume that each and every one of you is good soil. Because that's what I do. I just read this and go, yeah, okay, so I'm the good soil. Let's talk about you guys. <laughs> right? You look like you're choking. You look like... And, and to be honest, I don't know if this is an appropriate application of the passage. I feel like I'm a bit of all four of those. I mean, if, if you think of the soils, and, and Jesus doesn't mean it this way, but I want to be good soil. And I have seen times in my life When a direct word has come and I've said yes to it, what happens from that? And I've also seen times when a direct word has come and I've said, no thanks. And what happens from that? So on the one hand, you have those of us who hear and then that word is contested. There's a spiritual battle that takes place. See, for Jesus, spiritual battle is, like, is, a real, is a real thing. And the most significant spiritual battle is over whether or not you will give your allegiance to him. And so for some of you, you wonder why it is you take steps towards God and life seems to fall apart. And, and you're tempted to think, well, did I screw up or is God screwy? But there, in the Bible, there's actually a third option. You have an adversary that opposes the work of God in you. Or for some of us, it's not working out the way we thought. Maybe we were suckered into the promise of following Jesus by someone saying, hey, it'll make you healthy and wealthy. 
Or you'll never have problems or struggles and then you have problems and struggles. God, I thought if I prayed for my kids, they'd turn out okay. I thought if I I had devotions with my spouse, we'd be fine. I mean, you know, I've been chaplain for Fullerton Police Department. There was a placentia police officer, lieutenant, 48 years old, had an aneurysm, I believe, or heart issue. Sent him into a coma. He was was without oxygen, I think, for 10 minutes. He's got 48, three kids. Thursday night I go uh, with uh, the guy I'm riding with who is not a fan of Jesus. And I'm going to go pray over this guy. And so I muster up my faith. And I pray boldly. This guy would be resurrected. Right there. God, why wouldn't you do that? I mean... People would follow you if you start pulling that stuff, right? I mean, you used to do it. (laughs) So come on! Pull the plug on the man the next day, he dies. Do you know how tired I am of praying for people to be healed and not seeing them healed? I'm so tired of that. See, there are times where we're just tested, And so part of what we do is we carry each other's burdens. We admit the disappointment is part of following Jesus. Lamenting is part of following Jesus. Grieving is part of following Jesus. And if we don't warn people that's okay, they fall away when it gets hard. But the biggest category here are those that are distracted. And I love, I mean, does Jesus know us or what? Here's the list. Worries, riches, or pleasures. Guilty, guilty, guilty. And so for me, I hear this and I, I, I instinctively want to put myself in the good category, but yet I see places where I'm hardened. And I see places where I'm just weary. And then I see places where I'm just so distracted. And so for me, this is a cause for a great deal of repentance. Because here's the teaching. And if you are new to Jesus, please hear this. There is a hardening or a softening that takes place every time you hear His words. What trajectory are you on? Because they're not neutral. You either work to receive them so they get planted and worked out, or you harden yourself against them. And the warning of the parable is that it is possible to harden yourself so significantly those teaching lose, they lose clarity and they're not as loud as they used to be. I mean, a a buddy of mine said it this way, when God, when you hear God tell you to do something, do it. Just do it. Nike has it right, just do it. Because if you delay, you resist, that voice gets a little softer. Not because the voice is soft, but because your ability to hear it. It is possible to so harden yourself that in the age to come, you will welcome an eternity without God. That's why Paul will say, there are people who will perish in the age to come, but there are people now who are perishing. And so, this is a tough teaching of Jesus because we all want to say, yep, we hear it. And I intellectually believe it, but that's not what it means to hear. So, brothers and sisters, would you close your eyes for a moment? 
And whatever it looks like for you, and I'm guessing maybe 30% of you actually do this. I'm guessing the other 70% are thinking about football or lunch. And I may be projecting because that's what I'm thinking about. But in this instance, I want to invite you to be serious for a moment and ask God, where is their hardening? Where is their softening? Where is their distraction? It's His kindness that leads us to repentance. We're not trying to earn. We're not trying to show God we deserve it. But at the same time, we don't want to deceive ourselves. Because the goal is fruit to produce a crop. And evidently, we have a part to play in that, in hearing and receiving the Word. So I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm just going to give us a few moments of quiet to go before God ourselves. Abba Father, You know the darkness in my heart. You know the places where it's hard and it's soft, the places where it's distracted and where it's focused, the places where there's good soil and the places where there isn't any soil at all. And so, Father, I bring myself and my brothers and sisters before You that You would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And whatever it is, that keeps us from being fruitful, Father, that You would war against it. You would show us what it is and give us courage to confront it. And so, Father, we just take a few moments of quiet and stillness to bring our hearts before You.